great to have you here today. You know, the calling of God is a calling that's a deep and enduring calling on our lives. It's, which means it's meant for us to follow in the good times and in times of crisis. And that's been God's promise to Israel. Up to this point in our study, we've, we've learned that God, God says that when I, you've won a battle or when you've had a victory, Israel, don't forget me. When times are great, it's easy to kind of drift on your own power and your own progress and your own success and accomplishments. And Israel, when you lose a battle and when you go through crisis, come back to me and listen and return to me. You know, we all hit crisis. Crisis is going to happen. But how do you live God's calling at a time of crisis? Some of you are here this morning, you're going through financial crisis. And what brings on a crisis like that? Well, usually you have a bill or you have a debt that's far beyond your capacity to meet the demand of. Anytime that you can't come up with the resources that are required for reality, you have a crisis. Some of us are going through a relational crisis where that relationship is ended and, and you don't have, you're alone and you're feeling isolated. And so it's kind of a relational crisis. Some of you are in a relationship and you have a relational crisis. And it's caused maybe by the lack of showing love or being sensitive or being accepting of a person. Some of us have emotional crises. We're in February. The sun goes down earlier and, and we're depressed and, and we'd love that 80 degree day. And so the gap of good weather gives us and puts us into a crisis. But you know, we're all going to go through crises. And that whole, whole concept that when you come to Jesus, everything is better and you'll only have good days and you'll never have any problems. That's a lie. It's not biblical. We live in a broken world. And although we follow a perfect savior, we're going to navigate through times of crisis. What do you do when you come to a situation where you do not possess the resources within you or around you to meet the demands of reality? Well, I believe that the voices that you listen to at a time of crisis are going to determine the amount of hope and peace and blessing and comfort that you experience or they're going to determine how much pain, frustration, and despair you will have. And it's not just going to be for you. It's going to be for everyone around you. Everyone who's, who's around your influence will be affected by whose voice you are listening to in a time of crisis. Israel is our textbook case. So let's get into the textbook. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 8. The Old Testament book of 1 Samuel Chapter 8. God was calling Israel at this time to either be molded by him and formed by him, to be informed and transformed by him, or they could choose to be self-molded or conformed to the voices around them, the nations around them. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, Israel was facing a leadership crisis. And they chose no longer to listen to God. They chose to listen to the voices and the nations around them. God called them to be uniquely his. They wanted to be like everyone else. 
at the culmination of this passage, it marks a defining moment in their history. Things aren't the same after this happens. And I want to just share the culmination with it. It's in, it's in, um, 1 Samuel 8, verse 19. Listen to what it says. It says, but the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but there shall be a king over us that we may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. This is a this is a crucial text. This is a crucial turning point in their history. It actually ranks as one of the top, top, um, most impactful decisions Israel did. There were two major ones, actually, in the whole Old Testament. One was when they said in the wilderness, we want a calf. In other words, we will worship a golden calf. We will stop worshiping God. The calf will deliver us. And the other one was right here. We want a king. In other words, we no longer want God to lead us. We want a man to lead us. And look at that. We want to, instead of being like God, they'd rather be like the nations around them, the people around them. And they wanted three things to happen. They wanted this king to judge them. They wanted the king to go before them. And they wanted the king to fight their battles. These are three promises that God promised them he would be to them. But they were turning their back on him. They, God said, I will be your wisdom. I will be your judge. I will define what righteousness is. I've given you my law. They said, no, we want a man to judge us. He said, I would go up before you. I would lead you. The whole pattern of God is he led them out of the land of Egypt. He led them and went before them through the wilderness. And he would lead them into the promised land. They said, nope, thank you. You've got us this far. We're good on our own here. And then he said, I would fight your battles. Throughout the whole book of Joshua, if you've read it, it's all about the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. You can trust me because it's my battle to fight. And they said, no, no, we understand it was your battles. We want it to be our battles now. And a king will do that for us. We don't do that anymore because we're far more intelligent than the Israelites. We're far more moral than they are. And we can make better decisions, right? <laughs> No, this has repeated itself. And every time during a time of crisis that we choose to listen to that inner voice inside of us or the voices around us, that's not God's. The consequences are the same. We take his promise and we compromise it. And we go against his voice, his direction. And we don't live in his power. You see, why was there this crisis? Well, 1 Samuel 8 verse 1 shows us. Look at that first verse. It says this. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet, look at this, yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and they perverted justice. Folks, this was a leadership crisis. It made sense. If you have a man of God and his sons don't follow the Lord and they become in his role, I mean, that's what he did. It had kind of an unprecedented move. He started appointing his own son as judges and they were corrupt and they perverted justice and the people wanted them out. Was that wrong? No, we'd want unjust rulers. We want unrighteous people. I mean, we have a press right now that, you know, kind of, 
pokes at every different leader that's out there. We want justice. A judge, that was his job description, and they weren't doing it. Was it wrong to want him to be out? No. But what they wanted to do and who they wanted to listen to in that crisis, that is where the problem was. And so when we come to a time of crisis, there's going to be that temptation to take control and go your own way. You can either listen to God or you can listen to your own way or the way of people around you. What the scriptures are going to teach us today is that everyone can listen to the voice of God. His voice of wisdom, his voice of direction, his voice of power to deliver us from crisis. And to be quite honest with you, every crisis I have gone through, God has called me to a closer and deeper relationship with him. The growth I experienced was directly related to the voices I was listening to and following. That's why God says to Joshua earlier, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And to live God's calling during times of crisis, you're going to have to learn how to discern his wisdom. Look at, look at 1 Samuel 8, verse, um, verse 4. This is their response to wisdom. It says, Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you're old and your sons, they don't walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give, a king, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me from being the king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are also doing to you. You know, this is this is a a picture that really kind of shows us which wisdom Israelite the Israelites were were seeking. When we go through crisis, it is so important for us to seek and discern God's wisdom in our lives. You know, as, as we do this, the people were calling out, we want the king to judge us. In other words, we'll take a king over we'll take God. And, and uh, how do you do this? How do you discern wisdom in a time of crisis? Well, wh- what, what the text shows us here is they basically came and said, this is what we want to do. And you know what? That's a healthy thing to do is, is to reveal what you want to do in a crisis. It's, it's freeing to do this. Here's why. Because in times of crisis, we're tempted to go on it on our own. And we can hide a motive and an intention. And we can work out a plan inside that we aren't sharing with God and with others around us. And you know what? A, a hidden intention will kill wisdom in our lives. That's why it's important. And when I do counseling with people, I always go, okay, so you're going through this crisis. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Because we all are working out a plan. This is how I'm going to get through this crisis. And that's why we all have to take a step out and just be honest. Here's the reality. God knows the condition of our hearts. God knows the hidden things inside of our hearts. 
don't you think it's healthier for you to bring out the hidden things to God? And, and that's really what repentance is, by the way. You're just telling God what he already knows, but you know it now. And you're taking responsibility for it. So in times of temptation, in a crisis like this, God, I'm filling out my taxes and I'm afraid about what I might have to pay our country. I'd like to cheat on my taxes. Tell them that. I know some of you are laughing because it sounds ridiculous, right? But think about it. As soon as you say what God sees, his spirit starts to work in you. God, I didn't study too hard last night for the test, and I've got a test in this class, and I can cheat by just copying or asking someone two hours before me who took the test what's on it. I would like to cheat on this test. I'd like to compromise truth and integrity to get a better grade. That's more important to me right now. (laughs) See, if we're open, if we're open, everyone who works with people who live in deception Say it's healthier for you to bring it out in the open. God, I would like to look at porn right now. See, in areas of addiction, when you call it, God starts to work when you're open and honest. God, I would like to date someone who is nice, but basically could care less about you because I'm lonely. God, I would like to talk about that person behind their back, and I'd like to call it a prayer request. Let's be open here. What is our motive? There's, there's something that's freeing once you reveal it and you tell God, this is what I want, I want you to do. And because here's the reality. If we think we're on our own, we will try to manage people and truth to match our agenda. And that'll kill wisdom. Which leads me to the second thing. We need to submit to God, his word, and to wise people. God had given Israel his, his, his presence. God had given Israel his word through the commandments. God had given wisdom through a person named Samuel. They came to God and they came to Samuel and said, we want a king. They told him what they want. But they did not submit. And they would not submit. Because the culmination in verses 19 and 20 is, no, no, we want a king. We want to be like the other nations. We want them to judge us, to go before us, and we want them to fight our battles. They didn't submit to God, his word, or his people, his wise people. Why do we need that? Because here's the reality. When we want to do what we want to do, we tend to arrange the people who agree with us. And we tend to ignore the people who disagree with us. And and all I can say to you is wisdom's a big boy. He can standle scrutiny. And and you need the truth in your life. You need love and you need acceptance, but you also need the truth. Don't compromise one without the other. God is full of truth and he's full of love. He wants us to be a people when we follow him and we listen for his wisdom that it's perfectly balanced in that. Because if we're not careful, the people who have the greatest investment in us Whom we ultimately, I mean, when the truth be told, we want to be like, when we want to do what we want to do, we don't want to hear from them. And we would then, the tendency is we'll select new friends, people with the least commitment to us, with the lowest common denominator of wisdom, who will agree with us to be our friends. Folks, that's not a friend. That's a pawn. That's a pawn. 
I'm not going to be your friend if you don't like what I want to do. Come on. That ended at eight, eight years old. We've got to be people who are willing to submit, submit to God, his word, and the people around us. But here's, here's the reality. God granted them what they asked for. Be careful what you ask from God. He may just give it to you. Something that you really want that you think will be great, but will destroy you. I mean, every parent knows that when the eight-year-old asks for the car keys, you say no. And you know that there's destruction if there is. Be careful what we're asking God for. Submit to him. And then seek God's truth in God's timing. See, the request for a king was not a bad request. It just was not in God's timing. And if you follow 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, you'll see two major characters that come to play. One whom the people wanted, whose heart was for the people and their acceptance of him. And the other was God's selection, God's man, who came from the heart of God. Saul, the people's choice. David, God's choice. You saw all the pain and frustration that happened under Saul's leadership. And you see all the joy and the blessing that happens under David's leadership. None of them were perfect. One listened to the voice of God. One had no heart for God. See, it was God's timing. Way back in the the book of Deuteronomy, God had promised to Israel, you will have a king. But it would be in his timing. Don't we jump the gun, especially in crisis? We, I hate crisis, to be honest with you. I don't pray, and I'm not going to pray. Lord, give me a crisis. I am so excited about this. No, but we all will have crisis hit us. We have to be committed to listen to the voice of God and to follow in the patience of God. In his timing, in his timing. See, that's why if you're single or you're single again and you're lonely and you're frustrated that you don't have that person in your life, I'm just going to ask you, listen to the voice of God in that relational crisis and wait for his timing because, folks, if your desire is more for marriage than it is the right person and you'd rather be alone or, or, or with the wrong person than alone without anyone. Folks, there's going to be a ton of pain. That's just been a cycle of our culture that, that makes people so discontent until they have a next person. And so like a drug, you just seek the next relationship because you can't handle being alone with God to listen to his voice. So you listen to the voice of someone else who has no care for God. Folks, we got to be committed to God's timing because we want the quick fix. And we're not willing to learn and grow through times of crisis. We've got to be doing... That's where God's wisdom is in that alone time, listening to him. So we discern God's wisdom. And once you discern God's wisdom, you must be willing to follow God's direction. Israel wanted a king... Who will go before us, they said. And you know, during a crisis, God calls us to a direction. And a calling always has a direction. And a direction has a destination. 
Look at what God calls Samuel to do. He gives him permission, says, you can have this king that you're asking for, but warn the people of the direction that that they're headed. Verse 9, it says, Now then, obey their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So this is what Samuel, Samuel does. He goes, he tells them all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king for him. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. Now just listen to this, because this is really an incredible destination that they will end up in. He said, he will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. He will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and his equipment of his chariots. What will he do with your daughters? Well, he will take them. He will take their daughters to be perfumers, which is basically eye candy and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. Folks, this was not an upgrade. This was not an upgrade. As they considered their desire of a king, God warned them of the consequences. And as you followed God's direction, it's really healthy for you to compare the consequences of your way and his. See, God's way was what he promised them. Their way is what compromised the promise of God. Every direction has a destination. Why? Because every destination has a director And they would rather be led by a man rather than God. Look at what it says here. He will lead you to war. He will send you to work. And he will take away all your wealth. (laughs) But when he leads you to war, you're going to fight his battle. I know you want him to fight your battles, but you're going to fight his. And by the way, would you rather trust the patience of a man before they go to war? Or the patience of God before they exact justice. Folks, as I read the scriptures, I would much rather trust the patience of God. And he's going to send you to work. In other words, you're going to work for his purposes. No longer God's purposes. You're going to punch the clock. You're going to do things you really don't want to do, but he wants you to do. He's going to be the man in your life. Are you ready for this? And he's going to take your wealth. Why? Because he has to be, he has to get taxes from you. He has to make payoffs because he has commanders in many different divisions of his army. He's got to reward them and he has to empower them. In other words, you're going to be a slave. Are you okay with that? Have you ever compared the consequences of your way? Most of us don't in crisis. We just grab the next fix and we don't stop to compare the consequences. God, I want to cheat on this test and I will. I'm going to stop. What if you get caught? Oh, I'll never get caught. What if you will? I'll fail the class. What if you fail the class? I'll have to take it again. What if you have to take? I won't graduate on time. What if you won't? I won't get that job that I want. See, we don't run through this. 
We just go, no, it's a, it's a fantasy of mine. That's why I'll look at this on the internet. And we don't, what are the consequences? What's the consequences of looking at porn? I'll treat women like they're an object. What happens when you treat a woman like an object? You cannot love them and accept them the way God has created them. What happens when you don't treat a woman the way God, you'll be a lousy spouse. You'll use your wife. What if you use your wife? She won't feel cherished. I certainly won't love her like Christ loved the church. And I won't give her, give up myself for her. See what, see the consequence? It's not just you in a room looking at a screen. It's all the relationships that stem from this. What happens if I can't control alcohol? Who's gonna, who's gonna, what's gonna be the consequence? Folks, wiser people than me have fallen. I and you have to slow down and consider the consequences of the direction we're pursuing. Many times we just keep listening to the voices and we just, we numb the voice of God by listening to all the other voices around us. Compare the consequences. Israel, this is what's going to happen with you. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with that? You're ultimately going to be slaves. Do you want that? And then you need to choose the priority. Choosing the priority. See, Israel was called between either the king of men or the king of kings. Who would you rather serve? They chose the king of men. They chose second best. But you know what? Even though they chose God's second best, everything that was their best had to go to the king. See, that's the truth that's in this passage is that who's first in your life will get what's best in your life. Over and over in this passage, what's best in your life? My kids. What's going to happen to my kids? They're going to be given to the king. Yeah, my sons, they'll fight the battles. Whoop, my daughters, they'll be used by a king. What's going to happen to my, my property? The best of your property is going to go to a king. Would you rather have the best of your property be about God or a man? The best of what you have in life, the best of your freedoms are going to be used for someone else's right. As a king, you got to choose the priority. Every direction has a director. Who's it going to be? The voice of God or the voice of yourself or the people around you. And then finally, you need to pray for perspective. You need to turn out all, tune out all the voices within you and around you so that you can tune in. The voice of God. Folks, sometimes in crisis, God is going to call you to follow him when you don't understand why. Are you okay with that? Because if I could, if I could discern everything that God was doing, I would not bow down and worship him. He would just be a friend. And folks, if you're married, you'll have a hard enough time figuring out your spouse. How could you figure out God? So there's going to be times when we're called, especially in crisis, where we no longer live by sight. We live by faith. That's actually the best way to live, where you live by faith, where you trust God and you follow him, even though you don't know exactly where he's taking you. It's the whole pattern of the Old Testament. We have to be willing to do this. And, and as we do that, we pray. When I trust God and I don't fully understand why, 
I, I tend to say a prayer like this. God, you know everything that's happening to me. This does not take you by surprise. You understand me and the world around me. And you are working out a plan. Even though I don't know the specifics of the plan, I know you love me. I know you care for me. And I know that you are the best person to lead me during this time. I will follow you. Some of you going through a crisis right now, we need to just say it. God, I will follow you with my finances. God, I will follow you with my marriage. God, I will follow you with the inner thoughts of my mind. God, I will follow you when I want to compromise the truth. God, I will follow you when I want to gossip and tear someone down rather than build them up. We need to pray, God, as I do this, lead me, guide me. Because here's the reality. I've even prayed, God, I may not understand now, but someday will you make sense of this? And it's been amazing when I prayed that, that it may have taken two or three or four or ten years. But ultimately I see, ah, that's why I needed to wait then. That's when I needed to act then. We pray for perspective. So we discern God's wisdom. We follow God's direction. And then we trust God's power. Look at verse 18. It says this. In that day, you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. Folks, when we disconnect from God's wisdom and we disconnect, connect from God's direction we limit his power in our lives and you become self-empowered and that's not the gospel that's not the power of God in your life we have to trust God's power for salvation in our lives that's what the whole gospel is it's the power of God as Paul says of salvation for salvation to everyone who believes Here we've got a sin crisis in our lives. We're accountable to God. We fall short, way short of meeting the demands of perfection. What does God do? Does he go, hey, I see that. I see that discrepancy and I see the gap. Just go to Fellowship Bible Church. I mean, three out of four weekends a month ought to do. And given the offering, I mean, I know you're not at 10%, give five this week, okay? Because I see that, and I'll reward you. And get involved in ministry. And, and your, when you die, and your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you're in. No, that's how we live. That's in our power. That's not in God's power. We have to come to a point where we realize, I cannot save myself. You are the only one who can meet this gap. You're the only one who came and lived a perfect life, Jesus. You're the only one who died on a cross for my sins, paid the full price. Even if I died, I couldn't pay that price. And you're the only one who rose from the dead to secure eternal life for me. See, it's the basis of our salvation. Folks, we're worse off than we think, but we are far more loved than we can imagine. Rest in your salvation. Secondly, this same power that saved you can deliver you from crisis. We've got to be willing to trust God's power for our deliverance. Because in crisis, we all tend to choose our personal saviors. If you hit the crisis of 
of a frustrating thing that happens or loss, many of us choose the personal savior of anger. We vent it and we get upset and we lash out at the people around us. When we go through a downtime or a, a depressed time and discontent time, we, we find the personal savior of spending. When we go through a difficult time of, of uh, loss or of hurt or of pain, some of us seek the savior of drinking. When our kids don't turn out the way we want them to, we go to the savior of control. When our church isn't like the way we want it, or people aren't the way we, or our, our office isn't the way we want it, we can turn to cynicism or, or the savior of a critical spirit. We can just move from savior after savior, from the savior of education to the savior of politics, to the savior of the next best legal uh, decision, to the savior of worry or anxiety. These are all deliverers that will destroy us because they're not following the wisdom of God and they're not being led by the direction of God. You and I limit God's power when we try to navigate crisis on our own. And so we've got to be willing to trust God for our deliverance. Finally, we need to trust his power for his glory. For no other reason, but his glory is that God is working out his plan. And it's a plan that he was working through Israel back in 1 Samuel 8. And it's a plan that's working in us right now through his plan of redemption in Jesus Christ until he returns. It may not make sense to us that we're going through crisis, but it's informed by his wisdom. He calls us to listen, to discern his wisdom, to, to follow his direction, and to trust in his power. Israel wanted a king. They wanted to be like the nations. God was calling them, be like me. Israel wanted a king to judge him, judge them. God says, let me be your wisdom. Israel wanted a king who would go before them. God had shown the pattern up to that time. I will always go before you. I will lead you. I will never lead you astray. Israel wanted a king to fight their battles. God said, all your battles are mine. Who do you want for you? A man or God? If God's for you, who can be against you? Crisis is going to bring out this decision. And we're called to the scriptures that we would listen to God and follow him and trust him in times of crisis. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in a people who rejected you, we actually see ourselves. And we're given the choice just like Israel has to, in a time of crisis, to to either listen to the voices around us or to listen and follow your voice. May we all have ears to hear your voice, to be sharpened by your voice and your word and your people to follow you in times of crisis. I pray for my brothers and sisters here. May they be people who discern your wisdom, follow your direction, and trust in your power. For it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.